Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome or welcome back to the Thoughts That Manifest podcast. I'm Elle, and I am a mindset and manifestation coach who aims to inspire you to awaken your mind to the limitless potential that is within you. Hello, everyone. Courtney and I are back today with another episode for you. I'm actually so excited for today's episode. We're going to be answering some really thought-provoking questions. And I don't know, I personally love answering questions. When I was younger, I don't know if anybody listening can relate or if like Courtney can relate at all, but I used to literally buy these books that had personal growth questions and journal prompts just specifically to answer them. Yeah, and you would just like fill them out. Yeah. It was just fun. Or you'd go to school and answer with your friends. Yeah, it was just so fun for me. I don't know why, but I love thinking and getting creative with my thinking. And I feel like that allowed me to like get creative. That's a good thing that you brought up because this like, I, I have it out, but I haven't worked on it. I need to buy like new markers or something to get more inspired. But that journal that you had me buy when we were in Salem for your birthday a few years ago, it's got the same, like that same concept. And you were like, you need this. And then I bought it. It's so much fun. I love a good journal that has questions to answer. Just a random one is like, we get what we think about. We get what we talk about. We get what we feel in our guts, whether it's good or bad. Art Holt, what have you attracted in your life that reflects this? But there's so many good things in here. Like there's one that says like, write a thank you note to the universe, which like helps you practice gratitude. Yeah. This is called Worthy of Wonder, a journal of self-discovery, which probably work on this. There we go, everybody. I'm telling you, get that journal because I also have it and I love it. Oh yeah, that's right. And then we bought the Buddha one for Trev Trev, but he never fills it out. Someday he'll fill it out when he's ready. Well, today we're going to just be diving into these questions. I'm not sure how many we're going to get to. Maybe this will be two episodes depending on like, you know, how the conversation goes, but hopefully it will bring perspective, insight in some way. And I want to, I just want to make this disclaimer that it's definitely okay to have a different point of view. You do not have to believe the things that we believe. You do not have to think the same way that we think. And yeah, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes it could be really touchy to talk about some of these things and have like a difference of opinion or a different belief or view. But let's jump into these questions. First question, which I don't think I sent this one to you, but I really wanted to like talk about it. Would you want to be famous? Such an interesting question. Because like when I was young and growing up and what was it like Disney Channel had, I would say like it's golden years of like Hilary Duff and Lindsay Lohan and like that's so Raven. Like I wanted to be famous so badly. Like I was obsessed with Hilary Duff and Lindsay Lohan and I really wanted to be then, but seeing like, I think more than being famous, I would just want to be wealthy. And because being famous comes with this whole societal concept of like, oh, you're famous. So your right to privacy is gone. Mm. Right. Like you don't get that privacy that a regular person gets because you've chosen to to share your life with the world. And I don't want to have to like, I wouldn't want to have to like try to wear a disguise just to go grocery shopping. Oh, for sure. I agree with you on that. When I was younger, I definitely felt a similar way. I thought it would be kind of fun to be famous and like, be on TV or whatever. But yeah, not having that privacy and feeling like people are now entitled to me whenever I step out of my door, like that's weird. No thanks. Or like 
people following you in other cars like that video there's a video online where some people were like torn 50 50 where Justin Bieber I don't know where his it was some type of walk up I don't know if it was New York or whatever it was some type of walk up like a park apartment or whatever penthouse whatever he had and there were all these crowds of fans waiting outside and he comes outside and he's like this is my home this is where I'm supposed to like relax and recuperate and like rebalance my whole life really and like you guys are out here screaming at all hours of the night like can I just have my home and I kind of understand that because it's like if I always had people outside my door like trying to take pictures of me and screaming wanting autographs like that's socially exhausting and the fact that like on some level, we don't understand that as human beings. I mean, that it makes sense, like, why famous people, like, go out to dinner and they... Some people, I think, are just really good about it, but, like, why they don't want to always sign autographs or take pictures. Like, yeah, they I just want to have a meal with someone they love. Yeah, I would imagine that would get extremely exhausting. And also the fact that once you're famous, now you have millions and millions of people making assumptions about you and making opinions about you, talking about you online, sending you hate, depending on how you live your life. That or would people get... making up stories about you who like oh, you that too. know you. That's so now you like have to question who you trust because people are going to like lie or make up stuff to like sell to magazines or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or actually you can't or actually you have people who tell real stories that are like, you know, something that was private to make money. And now you're like, oh, I can't trust you. But I used to, you know, trust you like up until this entire point in my life. Yeah, exactly. But like if I were to... I guess, be famous or known in some way, I personally wouldn't want it to be just, not to say like just for like acting or film or something. I would want to be known for making a difference or a change in some way or like inspiring someone. I feel like if that were, you know, a goal of mine. But to be honest, I'm really, I'm, I'm pretty content with the life I live. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I hope that people hear my podcast and find the podcast that in our episodes that we talk about and things like that, like, because I hope that it's helping people, but um, right. to get to the level of fame that some of these people are on, it's just, I think it would overwhelm the shit out of me. Right. And then there's like this whole concept of like urgency culture where like, then these people who are famous have to get back to everyone really quickly, mm-hmm. or you have to like, if you're singing or acting and that's why you're famous you have to constantly be relevant and you have to look younger and you have to be physically fit and you have to be constantly searching out for the best projects and winning them and you know beating other people out for roles or making sure that you're relevant in the music industry and like that's going to be exhausting like I look at like Jennifer Lopez and you know she's had a wonderful music career and I just think like wouldn't you be tired by now like wouldn't you want to to take like you've had so much success and so much recognition like wouldn't you want to take a step back and enjoy like the watching your children grow up Mm. and enjoying all the things that you've worked really hard for instead of continuing to try to like put out music and stay relevant Mm -hmm. I think a lot of famous people have this constant pressure on their back to not let other people down. Mm -hmm. And it probably is this struggle in a way of putting themselves first, doing things that they actually want to do instead of doing things to make the public happy. That also, especially in today's world, people who are famous 
are expected to have an opinion on politics, to have an opinion on all these like right. worldly events. And if they say something that the majority does not agree with, all of a sudden it's like, oh, nope, you're canceled. Yeah. <laughs> and that can be... I don't know. I feel like that could be challenging too. I, I'll be honest. Sometimes I don't believe with what the majority says about some things. And even when it comes to like, for, and this is really stupid, but I watch reality TV a lot. And like, I was watching The Bachelor last night and an incident happened on the show. And I was on Twitter and I was like looking at what everybody's opinion was about the incident that happened. And I was not in the majority. I was like, oh, okay. So everybody is jumping on this bandwagon of really hating this girl right now and I'm like seeing it from a different perspective and I'm like oh okay interesting and it's just crazy how sometimes the majority can be so loud that it seems so overwhelming and it can seem almost like you're afraid to go against what everybody's thinking right because we live in the culture like I was gonna say like the cancel culture where like you know first of all you can make animated things and fake recordings of people and cgi is so good and it's like how can you tell what's real and what's fake for celebrities because there's all those videos online that look like they're like tom cruise and they're supposed to be like meme like funny meme videos where it's like not actually tom cruise have you seen those but it looks exactly like him it's like okay so if they could make that about anybody who who else could they do it about put it on the internet and then people just automatically believe that it's real and then the whole concept of like people doing full interviews but then online they'll post one snippet of the interview and so then it takes the whole interview and the whole point main concept of what they were actually talking about out of context and then they're like oh this person like believes that like women belong in the home and like and then they get canceled and it's like maybe people the chance to explain before we all jump on a bandwagon there's definitely like manipulation with videos that get shared for sure I've seen that happen where they'll like take a snippet to make this person look like they're in the wrong but really what happened leading up to that point when you come across those videos of like somebody freaking out on somebody else, but they don't show what they're freaking out about, what happened prior to the freak out and things like that. It's very interesting. Right. Right. Even like, um, like I was thinking of like famous people too. You have to ask yourself how many of these, these famous people who, you know, might not believe in the same things that for instance, the Illuminati might believe in. So the Illuminati there's seven major news outlets. And it used to be that all these newspapers and media companies were owned by different people. Well, they're not. Disney and Fox owns like the majority of everything. There's only seven major news out like news organizations that are corporations, by the way, owned by super wealthy white men who, if I'm not mistaken, who put out all of the news that you read. So Who's to say that these people aren't also pushing their version of agendas mm-hmm. onto this us and forcing us to believe stuff? Like you gotta, you gotta think outside the box of who's putting this out there and why are they snipping it together? Mm-hmm. That's why I like Kanye West because a lot of people think he's super controversial and he is, but it's because he's not afraid to say what he thinks and he's gonna say it and then he's gonna be like, "No, that got taken out of context. You weren't listening to what I was saying." Mm-hmm. This is why the media cannot be trusted. And that is my perspective and opinion. I don't trust nothing I read online these days. I'm the type of person who like, if I hear something, I need to like research the shit out of what I've been told. And I know a lot of people don't. Yeah, I agree. People don't like people like that. (laughs) But sorry, not sorry. All right. So the next question we have 
If you have to be brutally honest with yourself, what is something you've been avoiding that you need to work on? Well, you have to go first. I went first last time. Okay. (laughs) All right. Something that I have been avoiding that I need to work on. Well, I probably think about a lot of things, but the main thing, (laughs) the main thing is time management, getting into a good balanced routine. And for a really long time, I've been wanting to improve my spiritual practices, but I have been avoiding all of that, like the plague, to be honest. Um, I definitely know I need to get more structured with my routines. I try and then all of a sudden, oh, I fall off. And you guys may think because I talk about some of this stuff that I'm like some perfect person who has their life put together. Like, (laughs) no, wrong. We all got our flaws and I definitely got my own. (laughs) Right. All the same. Probably something similar. Like since I started working nights, I haven't really built a solid routine again. And that includes like working out and my motivation to do like other than like doing like external, like externally in the sense of outside of the home, like self-care. I have not been doing any of my own personal home self-care. I haven't been journaling. I haven't been coloring. I haven't been reading. I haven't been doing stretches. I haven't been going to the gym. And every time I think about those things, it feels like something, it feels like a task I have to do. And not saying that like, for some reason in my mind, I've got this block right now. It must be, it might, maybe it's a chakra block. I don't know. It's like a block of thinking of these things as like things I have to do and not things I want to do or get to do. So I need to work on how to change my perspective so that I can do the things that I know take care of myself without guilting myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a friend the other day that I went out to eat with and she kind of put into perspective like, for the tasks that she doesn't want to do, she likes to give herself a reward for those tasks. If she needs to go to the gym, she will watch her favorite show at the gym and that's the only time she'll watch her show. So like she won't Mm -hmm. watch her show anywhere else but the gym. So in order to watch the show she likes, she has to go to the gym when she does it. That's kind of genius. Yeah. So I was like, I might have to uh, invest in that. All right. So the next question we have is how do you and your husband approach conflict and what tips can you give those when dealing with conflict within a relationship? It depends. Like it's definitely been a progression because I kind of learned not to trust myself and not to express express my feelings when I'm in a conflict because of the way that I grew up being shut down constantly by my mom emotionally and then my dad just struggled with anger so I just tend to shut down and then it takes me a really long time to self-reflect but I think the longer that we've been together he makes me feel like I can either voice that I need that extra processing time or I'm getting better with trusting my intuition on how I feel and voicing it and he's very receptive to like how I feel and how I see the perspective and then I try to do the same for him. Josh and I I feel like what's really important is we had to learn how each other deals with conflict because we do deal with it differently. For me, it's really important to talk about it and to, you know, not ignore conflict. But also I struggle with communicating how I feel without crying, which is a difficult thing. 
to kind of work through because it's like, mm -hmm. all right, I need to make sense in my communication here. When I'm crying, I don't really make much sense. And I also just kind of make him feel bad that I'm crying, which I'm not trying to make him feel bad. It's just more like an emotional release. So if we have, you know, a disagreement on something or like frustration or just we're not seeing eye to eye on something, we'll kind of take time to process like how we're feeling. And then we make sure after like 20 minutes or so to come back together and talk about it. And we never, like we have a rule, do not raise your voice. Mm -hmm. Do not raise our voice at one another ever. And if we feel like we need to, then we will, you know, take that time apart. Because yeah. when it gets to I that point of that. emotion, yeah, when it That's gets to that point of emotion, you cannot communicate. It's not healthy to communicate in that kind of emotion. No. So you definitely need the space. That's definitely something I didn't even think about that we do because we both grew up in super dysfunctional families where like yelling was common, breaking stuff was common, violence towards other people in the house was common. So our house is like our sanctuary. If we need to talk and we're angry, yeah, one of us will leave and then we'll come back and we'll talk about it. And we usually use like the living room as like a really zen place to just like, well, like, like light a candle and like sit in the dark and just talk and it's usually like a good emotional release for both of us because otherwise yeah you're not solving anything you're just taking it to like a more and more dysfunctional place where something bad could happen that one of you or both of you could regret so yeah exactly and you know with my dad being a huge yeller when somebody yells and raises their voice at me bring on the tears no like, that's <laughs> I'm it I'm emotionally shut down now bye yeah, I'm so sensitive and he knows that and he's great at respecting that boundary of like okay I'm not going to yell at her he never raises his voice at me actually now that I think about it it's never happened the I'm few times that Trevor has I've left I'm just like yeah. I'm moving I don't feel safe here anymore or like I'll tell him like I don't feel safe it is so interesting from being a child who was hit so much when people were angry that sometimes like he'll just he'll have an a really angry look on his face and he's not even he's not raising his voice he's not talking but you can tell that he's got like a lot of emotion and like that he's pausing to regroup himself so that he can like calmly talk to me and I will just sit there and flinch and he'll be like why are you flinching right now and I'm like please don't hit me and he's like I've literally would never hit you and I'm he's like I never have and I'm just like I know but it's just an instinct I have absolutely. that like when someone's that mad like that's what's gonna happen oh absolutely it's definitely you know that's like a normal reaction coming from a home of abuse and physical violence and stuff like that like that's a normal reaction to have but yeah you're right when you've been around that it's really hard to be in the presence of angry people yeah I guess it's it's also kind of nice though that um, when your partners recognize that whether it's Josh with the yelling or Trevor with like recognizing that I'm worried about being hit even though like neither one of them are doing either of those things to us because sometimes I feel like I don't even recognize that that's my immediate reaction oh yeah and then like my whole body will like tense up I don't know if that happens to you too like you're like worried he's gonna yell even though he's never yelled and you mm -hmm. still have like that stress reaction in your body for sure I've actually I've had a stress reaction with him before not because he was mad at me but because one time something like accidentally did something he was mad at himself like when he gets frustrated it's more so frustration with himself when he does something that he thinks he shouldn't have had done like dropping and spilling something and all of a sudden he has to like recollect himself when he's in that mode or whatever 
doesn't happen often but when he's having a bad day and everything has been like right. off he gets frustrated with himself and i yeah, get that cool. reactive um that stress that you're talking about in my body where i'm like tensing up like oh my gosh is he mad right now because that's how my dad was when like little things happened he would break the fuck out over it you know what trevor does when i need to like have a serious conversation with him because i've just like jokingly like in passing jokingly been like can you please not do that but um like nothing bad will actually be happening and he'll be in the other room and he'll be like i'll be in the other room and he'll be like fuck and i'm like for some reason i'm like what happened did you cut your arm off and he's like no my shoe has a scuff mark in it and i'm like that is not proportional we do not do that in this house unless your your literal leg is like cut off please do not do that because right, it freaks right. you out yeah you're like, no, i totally I know josh did that with like spilling something and yeah. you're like it, it's milk it's spilled milk get a towel clean it up it's fine don't exactly do that i am dying yeah that's what i tell him i'm like we can easily fix this i know it sucks right now but we got this and also i think too looking at conflict as like a team type of thing it's not just one person contributing to the conflict it's a two people for the conflict here two people out of alignment two people not seeing eye to eye two people frustrating each other so don't blame it on one person like i'm not gonna blame it all on him he's not gonna blame it all on me we're gonna take on this conflict as a team and like work to resolve it oh yeah one thing that trevor he like read a book or something i forget which book it was maybe it was outwitting the devil I can't remember which book it was. It might have been Outwitting the Devil, where there's a concept. He's like, when we're bickering, he's like, it's me and you. And then outside of us is the problem. Like, we're not the problem. Neither one of us towards each other is the real issue. The issue is outside of ourselves. And we're not communicating in the right way to hear each other. And I'm like, oh so powerful like mm-hmm. learning to think about when like you're having conflict with your partner not as like you're literally having conflict with your partner but something outside of you two is causing a disagreement and if you can figure out how to communicate to each other appropriately then you can solve and attack that problem like you were saying as a couple and two partners instead of individuals yes exactly and now that just brought up a question that i'm going to just that I just thought of. You had mentioned the book Outsmarting, Outwitting Outwitting. the Devil. Yep. Outwitting the Devil. Okay. So now what I kind of want to know is what is your perspective on the devil? And so for me, my opinion on this is that, so because I grew up in a Catholic church when I was younger, and then my family changed um, directions and were really Christian. And the devil, I don't know their complete belief in me on it, but I feel like the church really focuses heavily on like the devil is like this real being, this real spirit, this real sneaky thing. And for me, I feel like it's just energy that's not uplifting, I guess. It's more so like, yeah, it's like energy that's not in alignment, energy that's not really healed. Like for example, and again, this this might ruffle some feathers. I'm not sure. But my dad was telling me this experience of how he literally watched uh, this like healer, this, I don't know if it was like a prophet or what it was that he mentioned, but essentially this person had this devil spirit on them and they were like freaking out, doing all sorts of things. And you could, I guess, tell that he had this devil spirit on him and that the devil was in him and then all of a sudden this other person who was supposedly like a healer took this spirit off of him did like some sort of cleansing and 
all of a sudden this person was like now healed the spirit was gone and this person was acting totally fine and it's really hard for me to distinguish the belief of somebody has a devil spirit in them or you know somebody may be just struggling mentally and there's like mental health issues going on under the surface of that and I was watching a show and now this show is not based in reality obviously so uh but like the way that they kind of distinguished between this the devil spirit in someone and then someone being schizophrenic oh yeah I've seen that before where like back in the day they would before they knew what schizophrenia was they would just diagnose it as like someone who was possessed like by a demon or the devil exactly yeah so that's my like hot take I guess you can say on that topic yeah I think more than like I grew up Catholic and then Christian so yeah the same like idea concept of like it's man in a place with fire where people go when they do bad things and they're gonna lay there forever and burn and be tortured like first of all I was terrified of that can I just tell you first of all that doesn't even align with like what your god is supposed to be like god is supposed to be forgiving and like all completely the highest level of altruism that you can imagine. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like my God yeah, is going to banish someone to hell for the rest of their life, no matter what they did. It sounds like the God that I would worship would have such a level of altruism that my human mind cannot fathom it, right? So we can't even, you could you can think of the worst thing that you think someone should be murdered for or tortured for and- I still can't imagine the forgiveness, but the the whole point and like the concept of God is that they're so such a higher being, like such a higher level of existence, like their their highest self that they can. Yeah. Right. So yeah. It's like unimaginable to us as humans because we don't have the capacity for it. Or we yes. haven't reached our capacity. But to me, more so like the devil is all of the darkest parts of human beings and their personalities that we don't want to face corruption greed envy gluttony our ability to continuously you know lie to get what we want that kind of stuff those darkest aspects of your personality that you don't even want to acknowledge exists but if you if you align yourself with like your purpose and the universe and destiny and karma and and, you know your god whoever you may worship that stuff is going to be brought into the light and the whole concept from what I've gotten from my husband because I personally haven't read Outwitting the Devil was that is that basic premise of like that's the devil and all those things and you basically have you know it'll come down to this is like my basic recap of a basic recap I got from him but that you'll have like choices like you do in everything in life and you can make a right decision or a wrong decision and like depending on which one you choose you're either outwitting the devil or going with him and you have to learn again this goes back to learning to think for yourself like you were saying like think out think further think further than what like people are trying to push onto you so that you know that you've got all the facts and you're making an informed right decision you're not just being pushed and steered in some type of way Mm. yeah yeah exactly And even when it comes to like making choices, I think for me, I used to get so caught up in this thought of like, oh my gosh, am I going to make the right or the wrong decision? And I think it all came back down to, okay, you know what, no matter what choice I make, it's not right or wrong. It was a choice that was divinely meant to be made for a reason. It's either going to bring me 
you know, something really great, or it's going to teach me a lesson. It doesn't mean that it was wrong. It's more so like a growth opportunity is how I had to look at it. Otherwise I would shame myself into thinking that like I was some bad person because I made the wrong choice. I think that also comes from such a huge societal stigma on making the right or wrong decision. Mm -hmm. And this whole pre the whole premise, which we've talked about before, like failure and that being too widely used instead of like lessons like I would rather instead of and instead of saying like I failed I'd rather say like I, I learned something like I took away from that the whole idea of wrong or right decisions I feel like is this concept of conscious or unconscious of worrying about what other people think about the decisions that you made yeah. because we're so hardwired into like is everyone else gonna think that this is the right decision yeah so yeah I 100% agree with you on that and this concept of what's the right decision for me does not mean that's the right decision for somebody else. Exactly. Well, th that comes down to like respect too. Like I feel like sometimes and not everyone, but older generations don't understand, like they want respect from us, but they don't respect that we, we see their struggle and we're just making different decisions on how we want to handle the same situation. Cause we watched their decisions. We watch what it led to. And all these people online who are older get so offended because they're like, well, you think that you think we didn't struggle. And you think that we didn't think at the time that we were making the best decision. And it's like, no, we, we do, but we also recognize that it didn't work. So we're trying to come up with something different. We're not saying that you were wrong or that you failed, but your generation is so conditioned to think that because we are making different decisions that we're basically calling you out and saying you suck. And yeah. that's not what's happening. We're just trying a different approach because we all can tell it didn't work. Exactly. And that's the thing. The older generations now, not all of them, but of course, some of them are very like set up in this mindset of not wanting to look like a failure, like you had said. And like when we call them out or do things differently, they take it to heart and can get really offensive over that. And you know what? Sometimes it is about taking accountability and being like, yeah, I made that decision and it didn't work out. Whoops. Right. It is what it is. Let me learn from it and move forward. Yeah. It's like extreme ownership, which isn't easy. Like mm -hmm. the question that we answered about like, let's being like, what's one thing you really need to work oh. on that you're like hiding from yourself? Well, we both knew immediately what the answer was. Exactly. So. Yeah. We all, and that's the thing. We all have shit that we need to work on and take accountability for. And sometimes it's freaking hard to take that accountability because then it, it really is that conditioned belief of telling yourself, I'm a failure. I suck. Why can't I do this? Why can't I just get myself motivated enough to go to the gym, do that workout, you know, get my life together, whatever else it may be. And it's like, right. the more you talk to yourself that way, the more you're going to procrastinate because you're just shaming yourself into the lack of motivation that you already have. Right. Or I feel like you walk through life where you're not actually enjoying any of the things that you're doing. And then you project all that negativity onto everyone around you. And then you have dysfunctional work relationships, friendships, family relationships. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. This kind of takes us to the next question. Do you believe in karma? And have you seen it in your own life play out? As Taylor Swift says, karma is my boyfriend. <laughs> karma, karma is, is a god. god. Karma is a god. Yeah. It's the breeze in my um, hair. Right. Karma is the reason all my friends go to the summit. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> just like repeat her whole song. No, I I mean, I wrote that question. So yeah, I definitely believe in karma because I feel like whenever I'm, whether it's 
truly karma or divine purpose or God or whatever it actually is or however you actually define it for yourself. I feel like when I'm living with my truest purpose and I'm going through all of my personal actions in my life with whether it's my job, whether it's my friendship with you or my relationship with my husband or my sister, when I'm doing all of those things from like I was saying, like your highest self, like your most altruistic personality trait. And I'm doing it because like, because because of that and not because like it's an obligation or because I know it's something I should do or I want to get something back in return that's when I feel the most at peace and the most in alignment and that to me is karma because if you're doing things from no I don't want to say evil but if you're doing them from a place of not altruistic feelings then like it comes back to you and if you're constantly self-serving I think you're gonna get punished like I know someone that you know I know who constantly lives her life for herself and getting what she wants and she will use people has used so many people who have like helped her so much just to get what she wants and her let's you know for instance her personal like relationship life with a partner is a disaster she's been with partner after partner who abuses her who treats her like garbage and you know I'm sure there's a lot more to that but it's the karma of not living within your truest self and your divine purpose and you're attracting that into your life through karma I I find that like every action we have has a reaction an opposite and equal reaction yes yeah you know what I mean so like the choices you make there's all obviously going to be you know a consequence or a reward essentially and when it comes to I guess when it comes to like attracting people or like situations into your life that are not pleasant I do have to say that it probably has to do with how you are choosing to live your life. Are you choosing to do the inner work? Because a lot of the times when things come into your life that maybe you're not really happy about, and like, you know, like for example, you you just mentioned the relationship thing. Well, in that moment, there has to be a level of self-awareness and accountability for your own life. You have to say, okay, I'm attracting these people into my life. Now, instead of putting all the blame on these people who are treating me like absolute shit, let me take accountability for my own life for a moment and ask myself, how come this keeps happening? What am I doing that keeps bringing these people into my life? And what lesson am I meant to learn right now? Yes. Clearly there's some lesson that's needing to be learned doing healing, inner work you know, having more self-love because a lot of the times that can also play into it. Like we allow people to treat us like shit because we don't respect ourselves enough and just things like that. And yeah, if you- Karma too. Like you repeat the same karmic cycles yes. if you don't learn the lessons. Yes. And like until you get through your head, through your very thick head, that there's some type of personal accountability- Mm-hmm. playing into why you keep repeating these cycles you're going to keep repeating them exactly and it's not to say that you deserve to be treated mm-hmm. shitty like I mean I think that that would be unfair to say that somebody um, deserves to be abused and shit like that but what it is to say is that you know where can you set stronger boundaries and can you just have some love and compassion for yourself as well on top of that but yeah, I do I do believe that every action that we have, there's a reaction and there's also just those lessons that are meant to be learned. And if you don't learn the lesson, you're most likely going to repeat it until you make a change and 
that I think is where people get stuck on making change, making shifts, because you can tell yourself what you need to change in your life all you want. But until you take action on that change and you make different choices, you're not going to see the results. Yeah. And I think that change is the hardest thing. Like we, we actually get so comfortable. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's definitely just my take on the whole karmic cycle and karma and what you don't address also will probably come back around. Your past will always come back around, usually through like being triggered if you haven't fully healed or addressed it. I also will say too, you may even feel like you've learned the lesson, but you'll continuously get tested. That's happened to me many times where I'm like, I thought that I learned the lesson. Why am I still getting tested? Oh yeah. So I don't agree with who said this and I didn't hear it originally from this person. I heard it from a Hobson song. um, Who's like a, he's obviously a music artist who writes um songs he calls them ill mind and ill mind i think it's ill mind eight or seven talks about just the distrust of not being able to have blind faith in the bible and god and how hard that that can really be for a lot of people which i think a lot of people can relate to but there's a quote at the end that says um change is one of the most difficult things that we can face but change is inevitable one reason we don't like change is we get comfortable with where we are we get used to our friends our job the place we live in and even if it's not perfect we accept it because it's familiar Mm -hmm. What happens is because we're not willing to change, we get stuck in what God used to do instead of moving forward into what God is about to do. Just because God's blessed you where you are doesn't mean that you can just sit back and settle there. You have to stay open to what God is doing now. What worked five years ago may not work today. If you're going to be successful, you have to be willing to change. Every blessing is not supposed to be permanent. Every provision, excuse me, is not supposed to last forever. We should constantly evaluate our friendships. Who's speaking into your life? Who are you depending on? Make sure they're not dragging you down, limiting you from blossoming. Everybody is not supposed to be in your life forever. If you don't get rid of the wrong friends, you'll never meet the right friends. Mm. I do really enjoy that quote because I feel like that is very, it summates a lot of like concepts we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. And that's something I talk about a lot too, is the whole, like, we get so comfortable with what's familiar that we're so afraid to like go towards what is unfamiliar because that's uncomfortable to our ego. Uh, Us moving. I have been struggling with the whole concept of us moving. We're moving somewhere nicer, somewhere newer, like somewhere not that far down like, you know, 20 minutes. And I'm like calling you, like telling you I'm freaking out. I shared that story on the recent podcast that I did that you weren't on, but I shared the whole like story about the rent change and like the the synchronicity of the repeating numbers. Oh, the eight eight eight. Uh huh. Yeah, like the our sign first... that we were talking about that you needed. I was like, "That's the sign. That's the sign. That's a sign." Do you believe in coincidences? For me personally, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe everything happens for a reason and that's my motto and I don't force anybody else to live that way. I Mm. mention it and if they want to live that way, they can. If they don't, that's fine. But for me, looking for signs, seeing signs, it helps me feel more at peace. Yeah. I'm one of those people who thinks everything happens for a reason because if if you look at your life as a timeline up to whatever point you're at, 
So, right, like if I, for instance, because I'm talking about myself, because whatever, we all like to talk about ourselves. <laughs> no, it's just my good reference point. For instance, like I originally applied to nursing schools when I graduated high school. I got denied from Worcester State from their nursing program. I got into the Anna Maria one, but I didn't want to pay crazy amounts of money to go to nursing school. So I did a whole different path. And then I ended up moving to Texas and being in like a day of my life and being able to find that my science background really helped boast my nursing school experience and my nursing school, like getting into nursing school. And then I was able to do nursing school in like less than a year and a half because of the way that my life planned out. But like if I hadn't originally got denied and I had originally went, my life would be different. And I think you can look at that in both ways. Like I could be angry about it, which for a long time, you know, I kind of was bitter because I was like, I got a science degree and it cost me $60,000 that I haven't paid back. And, you know, that kind of sucks. It's an expensive lesson to learn in life, but it all, it all led me to where I am. So if I didn't believe that like everything happened for a reason, then I wouldn't be, it's kind of like saying that you don't believe in divine purpose yeah I don't know if that makes any sense oh no it does I've had many similar experiences even like I think about the one that happened most recently which was I was living in such a toxic environment not toxic in the sense of like me and my husband were toxic to each other but in the sense that there was mold my house was dark all the time yeah I was sick all the time it was really depressive and I felt just so depressed and I needed to get out of that space and we were supposed to get married so we were going to wait until after we got married to move but then the pandemic hit and we had to postpone our wedding and I was so sad like obviously I was so sad at the state of the world because for one I'm like people are freaking dying that's horrible but also just we had to postpone and we've been together for like I think eight or nine years at that point so I was just so ready to just move forward and so it kind of felt like a step back but then because we postponed our wedding it gave us the opportunity to look for a house and we got our house the month that we were supposed to get married so that wouldn't have happened if we were to get married And as soon as we bought that house, the next year after our wedding, it literally, the housing market went skyrocketing. Like it went up so much and it was almost impossible for people to buy houses. The competition was insane. So I felt really divinely meant to have that setback in order to, you know, get that house and be able to, you know, plant those roots. And it just all felt like it kind of fell into alignment for us. It was no coincidence that it played out that way. And it was no coincidence that it also snowed on my wedding. The funny thing is, is we were supposed to have a winter wedding in December and we had to postpone it. So then we got married in April in the springtime and it it doesn't normally, yeah, it doesn't normally snow and it snowed that day. And I felt like I got that winter wedding that we were originally supposed to have. And I also took it as a sign from my grandfather who wanted to walk me down the aisle previously before he passed away. But yeah, so I took it as a sign of him being like, I'm here with you. So yeah, I believe in signs. All right, the next question. Off of that question, I was actually gonna just throw in a random one and say, then do you believe in deja vu? And have you had like a legit like story you can recap of 100% deja vu. Oh, you know, I have had deja vu many times before, but to actually 
recall and remember the specifics. I probably can't. But personally, I do believe in deja vu because I believe in past life. And I feel like sometimes we're meeting people who we connected with in a past life. Like we're not meeting the same physical person, but we're meeting like the same souls that we connected with in the past life and that's my belief so yeah what about you oh yeah I definitely believe in deja vu I've had it happen like I've had it happen in small instances where like like you said like you meet someone and you're like I just feel like I know you and then I've had it happen where like I'm literally literally like doing something like I'm going somewhere I'm doing something and I'm like already done this yes I've had that many times and I'm like I legit had a dream that I already did this and now I'm doing it and in the moment I'm like what the hell is happening Uh like even I told my husband that when I was a kid I remember waking up from a dream and having a dream where like I couldn't see my lover's face but like I had this divine sense of calmness of like that was my person that I had met and I It was the way that I felt in the dream with that person that made me know and that that's exactly how I feel when I'm with him and he's being like so compassionate listening like or even just in general when we're like cuddling or anything and that's the same sensation that I get and I had this such strong deja vu that I told him the story and I'm like I I didn't remember the face of the person but I knew that they they were like slender and they had brown hair and like that's all I can remember. Like, it had to be you. It had to be literally, like, divine purpose telling me somehow that at some point this was going to happen, which sounds insane, but, like, from... It sounds insane to the people that don't believe that. But to somebody who does believe that, I totally get it. I totally get where you're coming from. It was just such a powerful, like, feeling that was, like, re-sparked in me from, like, when the original dream happened that I was, like, there's no way that this isn't, like, the universe, like, colliding, basically. Yeah. So then do you believe in past lives? I feel like I do because I also have, like, native blood. So my father's mother's father was 100% native. So there's a lot of things I think that I believe in that maybe people who didn't have like certain cultural things brought down in their family but like I absolutely do I think it's from that Nate like the indigenous culturist things that my grandmother passed down to us that I believe in like she used to have like traditional necklaces and warrior garb and like headdresses like on display in her house that like were from our family and I still just remember like going we would go to powwows and stuff I even interviewed someone who was still living Greenbrier. on the reservation oh yeah they had him yeah they had him in the town that we lived in but I like interviewed someone who was still a active chief who is still uh had like a community so very interesting things but I do because I also think like I took physics in college And I got to like physics two or three. And so there's this whole concept also of the earth where physics, um, astrological, what is it? Astrological physicists, trying to think of what they're called, have actually proven that dark matter exists in the universe. And dark matter actually makes up more than 85% of the universe. And you can't see it. You can't touch it. It's not tangible, but like mathematically we can prove that it exists. And so like that, whole concept of dark matter also brings in this concept of alternate realities which also brings in past lives or several lives occurring at the same time which is absolutely like mind-blowing and I think the reason some people don't want to believe in it or validate it is because it's scary 
because it presents this whole concept of so much is unknown to us and as humans we just want to control and understand and control and understand like the whole reason why people fear death is because you can't control when you're going to die you don't know when you're going to die and you don't know what happens after you die or some people will say that they do because they're christian or whatever they have a religious practice which is fine but like to say that someone who believes in astrological physicists is completely wrong I don't think it's fair because it's like saying that your faith in what you believe in is right but what's someone else's faith of what they believe in is wrong yeah exactly but neither one is like harming the like a you know like not harming human lives by believing that faith so I don't know I totally agree with you on that and I think just believing in you know, something when it comes to life after death is what gives us some sort of comfort, inner peace. I mean, maybe it's not really peaceful knowing that you're going to possibly live another life after this, because sometimes (laughs) that can be kind of shitty. But I think that's why too, a lot of, you know, religions believe in a heaven because they want to believe that there's somewhere peaceful they go after they die where they don't have to feel at all any of the negative emotions and things like that and they just want to live peacefully but honestly i think too reincarnation for a lot of people i think when you think of reincarnation it's been presented to us again i think by media and that kind of stuff is like oh you're reincarnated as a person right? So you live another life. I think to me, the older I get, the more and the more people I lose. And I see that process of cycle of living and death and living and death. What I believe reincarnation to be, and through also studying physics is that, and science, obviously, is that reincarnation is not like this evil witchy thing. Reincarnation is becoming aligned with the universe and God in a sense because your life cycle is going like and God I think God created this whoever that higher being is is like we live as humans and we live this most conscious awoken life that we can and then we die and then our our bodies decompose and then we become part of earth we become soil and then that soil becomes nutrients and then that becomes a plant and then the plant gets eaten and that becomes an insect and then the insect becomes an animal and like so forth until you go back to being human and so then what matters more it's gonna sound funny because i'm gonna say matter again isn't necessarily like the reincarnation of like obviously you're how do I want to put this not that you like automatically become another human when you're incarnated but that like the matter of your existence is being transfused through the universe through different cycles until you reach reach around and become another living living being you know Mm, that's very interesting perspective I really enjoy that have you ever heard of Dolores Cannon? I feel like you sent me some of her stuff. She is like a past life regression like therapist person. She's no longer alive, but her work is really intriguing. And she literally goes into like basically gets her client into that subconscious state where like she's deep within their subconscious. And these people are explaining their past lives. And some of them have mentioned being like a tree, have mentioned like living as the dirt, as the soil. Some of them have mentioned being an animal, like crazy things that you would never expect somebody to mention like they were once being right and and some of them are also t- like talking from a place of being like an alien or like an 
uh, what, what's the word? Extraterrestrial. I always can mm -hmm. never pronounce my words. Yeah, well. extraterrestrial. <laughs> yeah. So I don't do know if you, I'm pronouncing it right either. So, do you believe in aliens and things like that? Oh man, you know, I, I personally don't... believe that there has to be something out there in the universe besides us. So that's that. That was kind of going to be my my thing. Is like space is very unexplored by humans and it's very vast and maybe this comes from growing up with star wars and a nerd <laughs> dad who loves star wars now i love star wars but like i think it's very naive of of us to think that there's not something else out there that we don't understand the capacity of existence for and i think that again it's a lot of like fear driven movies like how many movies repeat the same friggin plot line what if there's a higher level of being that's literally like so conscious that they actually are here to teach us lessons to help yeah. us you yeah. know why does it always have to be some kind of evil that's exactly. why I hate they kind of just but that's the, the fear that like Hollywood and the news outlets now push. Fear well, equals control. These people divide it. Control people yep. when they're fearful. You can control them. You can manipulate them. You can get them to do well, things that are according to your plan because they're fearful. If they don't do it, then something bad's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. Because then I don't want to talk about it because it's going to be too controversial. I know, I know. I will say this. It goes back to the concept of thinking really hard critical thinking for yourself about who's telling you this information and what what is their end goal of what did they get out of pushing that on you and that's all I'm gonna say oh yeah. what is it out of us as a society if they push what they believe on us yeah instead of us working together and that's all that I'll say and you know what and I feel like there's a lot of people who think that way the way that we're thinking but they're too afraid to admit it because the society and collective have pushed fear so hard that we are so, so afraid to speak our own beliefs in our own th thought processes because if we speak about it suddenly our words our thoughts can be twisted taken out of context and made into this big thing where now people are attacking you because you don't think the way that they do or you don't think the way that society norm is pushing you to think and right. if you think about that <laughs> if you think about that right. it's like well it's like oh. that would be like you and i okay so here's an instance of like me playing dev devil's advocate in the opposite direction so that'd be like you and i right we decided we talked last week um, and I was saying how like I technically am like attracted to both guys and girls, but I just decided to marry a man because that was the right partner for me. But like that would be like you and I being like so like doubling down on the idea that we are in heterosexual relationships that that's what's right mm -hmm. and this the whole like not pushing but like constantly being stimulated by other versions of what relationships can look like for people if we denounce that you know what I mean because now there's this movement of those other types of relationships existing denouncing heterosexual relationships as like being a negative mm -hmm. when really I think what it comes down to and what the real root of it should be is that you respect that other people make different choices from you but you respect that they were their choices and they made them and that was the best one for them and you don't need to control or have judgment about someone else's choice. It's just what was right for them. And then be supportive. 
exactly exactly and that's exactly what I meant why I was like what's right for you is not necessarily right for somebody else and it's like why is it that as a collective we so badly want everybody to think the same freaking way why right because it's easier to control when people are all thinking the same way when people start thinking outside the box start thinking differently well now you have people kind of waking up to the fact that maybe what we've been taught isn't truth and maybe I do need to think for myself a little bit and then it starts challenging the systems that are in place right and then that can get a little disruptive for people in power that's just my opinion And people who know me know that I am very much outside of the box thinker and I do not like to think very rigidly. And also, I think a lot of things that happen here on earth is really trying to get us back to that place of like learning compassion, learning unconditional love, learning to respect one another, to live in harmony, to you know, like, of course, though, like duality exists. So you can't have, you know, the good without the bad, the the dark without the light. But at some point, if you open your mind up a little bit to compassion to, you know, unconditional love, which, okay, do you believe in unconditional love? Do you think that's possible? Unconditional love? Yeah, I guess from my perspective, I believe that unconditional love is really freaking hard to achieve as a human. Because we have an ego. We have an ego. We have a lot to process, to work through, things like that. So I feel like it's really hard to get to a place of unconditional love. You know what I will say is I think there's brief moments in life where it does happen and it does exist. It does exist though, yeah. It exists in like, here's my thing. I think people's idea of it is that it has to constantly exist. Kind of like neutrality of like your emotions should constantly exist. And that's like a good thing. I don't think that it constantly exists at this continuous stream. I think that it happens in spurts, just like getting happy, getting sad, getting angry. Mm -hmm. And so people's misconception comes from thinking that it always has to be there and you always have to do it. And then it puts too much pressure on it where like, if you just let it flow organically, there are times in your life where I feel like I've had unconditional love with you before. When you sat next to me and my mom friggin' died, that was complete unconditional love. But does that happen every single day between us? No, but it's still existing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I believe that it can exist in moments and getting to a point where it exists constantly. Just, I I feel like life doesn't really work that way, but I do think that's why like God exists and a higher source exists because there's this like source of radiant, unconditional love that exists out there that you can try to, I guess, mirror that energy in a sense, like reflect that energy, but to get to a point in your life where it's like constant I think that's really hard to do because we are meant to learn lessons and but I do I do aim for it I do try to like love without condition and it takes a while to get to that point and there's still moments where I'm like fuck I'm being very traditional right now I'm like mad at my husband because he didn't like tell me my hair looks nice Uh, maybe (laughs) I should just like let go of that a little bit and be like it's okay I still love him no I still love him Right. Even when he doesn't tell me my hair looks nice. I had that same thought like yesterday. And I was like, I just got like my hair done. But Trevor didn't tell me it looks nice. And then I thought to myself, well, why did I really get my hair done? 
I got it done because I wanted to. Yeah. I like the way that it looks and I like the way that it makes me feel. And I'm like, cool. So then my my actual end goal is achieved. So whether he physically voices his uh like that affection or not, I still got what I needed out of it. Do I also need his external validation of it? And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I exactly. Don't. And I think if you try to practice like unconditional love within your partnership, I feel like that can be really healthy. If you're both practicing it. Because if one person is sacrificing all the time so that they can reach that unconditional love and the other person is a taker. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. You got to you got to definitely be aware of who you're with and making sure that you're with a person who treats you right. If somebody treats you poorly, draining Mm -hmm. your energy. Like my husband will ask me for a million effing favors. He'll be like, can you get my shoes? give me a glass of water can you do this can you do that and like I'll get all his things and I'll do them for him and then the roles will be reversed and I'll be asking him for some to do something and he's like I can't I'm busy and I'm like excuse me what is that I'm like and I'm not keeping score and like oh I did this many papers for you so you should do them it's more of the sense of like if I'm willing to help you because you're struggling then I think in an equal and opposite re- like partnership you should be aware that like if the roles are reversed are you making making yourself available to like in the sense that like okay for instance you and I's relationship like if I'm struggling and I call you and you make yourself available to me because I need someone to talk to I don't see I don't think that you expect me to do the same but I kind of expect myself to do the same because I feel like that's aligns with like my morals my virtue like my altruism is that like as a good friend my definition of a good friend is that I reciprocate that support to you. So like, if you need me, then I'm going to make myself available as much as I can. So that that makes sense. That makes sense. And then it also kind of can tie into as well, like, when does it come to a point where it's like, we're kind of pushing our own expectations on other people as well, because Mm -hmm. I've struggled with that before, where I'm like, okay, I show up for this person this way why aren't they showing up for me the same way when it's like, well, maybe I can't expect everybody to show up the same way as me. Yeah. I think it starts being able to have healthy communication too with somebody. This is like my expectation of, you know, what our friendship looks like and how it should go. And them hearing you and being like, okay, I can understand why you have that perspective, but I can't be that for you but I can be this yeah and I think it's totally okay as an adult and like someone who is like starting to process what's like what's tangible not tangible um like what values or virtues they have and like is that a friendship or, or a relationship that you can maintain based on what the other person can offer you or is it not a healthy relationship anymore based on what they can offer you and is that something you can handle and then evaluating that and being like okay like I respect you I love you but I can't have that type of like maybe empty emotionalist relationship Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like you're hooking up with someone and you get feelings for them you're like I can't hook up with you anymore because we can't be together that's too painful for me yeah and that's okay yeah or you could have a different type of friendship like I know you have different types of friends but you have friends who like love to do activities and go out and drink and have a great time and like that's what they're there for and then you have friends like me who have conversations like this with yeah, you but also go out so it's like it's like you know everyone has their limits and capacities but making sure that it's within your boundaries absolutely and the communication is so key because sometimes we can just expect people to know how we need them to show up for us but if we don't communicate that 
then really that's kind of our own fault because we can't just expect people to know how to show up for us. We need to speak what we need. Yeah. That definitely developed in our friendship because I definitely used to just get mad at you for not showing up in the ways that I needed you to, but I wasn't telling you. I was just jealous of how you were doing it for other people. And I was like, but then I wasn't saying anything. Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes like, we just don't think, we just don't think of like, oh, like we don't think that that would have bothered someone. Right. Yes. Like not that you're malicious. You just literally don't doesn't occur to you yeah exactly it just doesn't occur we just didn't think of it and then even that in itself can really bother people and be like well how could you be so inconsiderate and not think that that would bother me <laughs> even I'm at fault of making assumptions that somebody should assume that that's how I need them to show up for me but yeah so I think that was a pretty long episode <laughs> I think that was good questions good talk we have more questions I'm sure we'll we do have them. more maybe we'll do a part two and, and if you guys have any questions, questions, send them in. You guys stay very quiet. Yeah, please. We love the we would love the interaction. I love the interaction. I'm like, are people listening? It shows right. me people are listening, but are they real? Are you real? Are you people, human? I've had some people tell me that they were listening. Yes. Oh, so <laughs> exciting. All right, guys. Well, we will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Until next Bye, time. Guys.